podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of this Economics Podcast. Firstly, I'd like to shout out everybody who's ever listened to a podcast or read a blog, especially those who subscribed on iTunes and followed on SoundCloud. Big shout outs to you. This episode is kind of linked with my recent blog on www.thisnomics.com entitled More Money, More Problems. This is basically around money, what it actually is, because not a lot of us actually know what money is and why its intrinsic nature is actually an issue. So let me get straight into it. Let's hope that this is not a long thing. Excuse my language. But yeah, what is money? I asked quite a few people what is money and even I've had this thought in the past until I dove deeper. Most people said it's like a form of exchange, a tool of survival, like a reflection of your purchase and power. So how much ability you have to purchase certain things, having options to control your life, etc. I'm sure most of you would probably nod your head in agreement and say, yeah, yeah, that's what money is. Well, in fact, money is actually debt. I know it sounds mad, but money is debt, which is kind of an oxymoron to quite a lot of us of how we've lived because we've always been taught to avoid debt. Debt is seen as bad. Debt is the pay grade. You've got to run away from debt when you see it. Well, money is actually debt, which is quite ironic. So, this is kind of derived from like ancient times, BC, before Christ, for those who don't know, who weren't listening in history and them subjects there. Before there was actually money, in the terms of that we see it now, pound notes and all those type of things, there had to be a way to exchange between two parties. So let me give you two examples. Let's say I have a oat farm and then you you have like a cloven shack or whatever. This is like 3,000 years before Christ was born. How can you? How can we trade? Because obviously, if my oats haven't been harvested yet, I've got nothing to give you. But you have the clothes that I need. But also, you need something in return. So I say, listen, hold, listen, yeah. You give me the clothes today, let's say January the 1st. And in June the 1st, when my oats are harvested, I'll give you 100 kg worth of oats. So this is kind of, that. so I'm in debt to you. That was kind of um, derived on a clay tablet. So just imagine a tablet of clay. I say, okay, on this date, I'll pay you with X, whatever interest it is. And that was kind of authorised by whatever ruling authority of the time. So back in those times, it'll mostly be kings. So let's say the kings will have like, yeah, they'll say, yeah, this transaction is legitimate. Then the clothing, you of the clothing shop, you've now got this token that says, okay, you're due 100 kg worth of oats on this date. You could then go and exchange that for, let's say, meat, for example, with the meat, with the meat, uh, with the meat salesman or whatever they call back in those days, because obviously you still need to eat. So that is kind of the origins of money. Like it came from actual debt. Even if you look on our on our pound notes for those who live in the UK, it says I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of X pounds. So if it's fifty pounds, your pound note will say I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of £50. So that is basically admitting and signalling to the debt that you're going to, you know, pay back over a period of time. Well, obviously, in our case, it's instant. So there you have it. That's the origins of money. It is debt. Where these debt tokens were stored back in the days tend to be temple vaults, whereas that kind of elevated into the invention of banks. So that's so banks basically, as we know, store, store all our money. So if money is debt, how exactly does it work? Well, banks really are out here doing abracadabra, 
whatever them Harry Potter type um, equations or form. I said equations, no. Um, spells creating money into life, basically. Banks lend money into existence. So once they lend money into existence, you can then save or spend. It's quite crazy how the um, the lending comes before saving. Now, how does this work? Okay, let me give you an example. If I was to one day wake up and say, do you know what, yeah, my wrist is looking kind of dry. I need one nice rolly to kind of stunt on everybody and just look fly. I roll up into Barclays and I say, excuse me, Sir, Sir Benson, could you, can I please take out a loan of, let's say I want a nice one, £40,000. On the bank's outdated Windows 2000 XP, I don't know why they update those things, uh, system, they will press a few keys which actually creates that £40,000. It's not like they're out there in the back like digging out the 40000 or going hitting the streets trying to find that 40000 They just kind of create it into existence. So once they've created this money, it then enters my bank account. So I leave Barclays happy, £40,000 richer. I hit a Knightsbridge and I go get my Rolex. Now, the, the bank then moves this created £40,000 into, let's say, the Rolex store's Rolex, store, Rolex account. Probably a Coots account or something like that. So now Rolex Coots account has £40,000. This is now income into the economy because this money is actually real. Although it has been created, it is actually real. So with that £40,000, Rolex can either purchase more materials to create new watches or hire new members of staff. So when they're purchasing materials, they are still adding money to the economy because they're putting money into another business. If they're hiring new members of staff, they're putting new money into new people's pockets who can then go and buy, go to Tesco's and ball out or whatnot. So it's a kind of like, in economics, we call it the multiplier effect. They are now making money. And the bank is also making money because obviously they slapped a, a bit of interest. Let's say they make 5% interest. So they will make that money on top of when I pay them back. This kind of signals how the, the drive of economic growth is actually debt, which is, which you're probably thinking, that's kind of mad because... I've always been trying out here to avoid all these debts. The driver of economic growth is debt because debt creates income and income obviously creates, helps create production and production obviously boosts the economy because your, your, your economy is growing, more people have money, you're producing more goods for people to consume, etc., etc., which, which is quite ironic. If you think back to it, if everybody was adverse to debt, then the oats maker the oat farmer as i said wouldn't have tr- uh, had any transaction with the clothes maker who wouldn't have any transaction with the meat maker and that meat maker might um meat maker I can't make meat <laughs> that meat um seller won't have any transaction with let's say called corn maker so when you're adverse to debt you kind of limit economic growth and you don't limit economic growth because people get poor and nobody's trying to be poor out here on these streets so this sounds all good so why are we in trouble as i titled the blog post and probably this podcast more money more problems shout out to biggie and mace and did why are we in trouble life doesn't really work out like the scenario i just dropped to you with the with the rolex and the and the meat quote-unquote maker unfortunately our debt which is what money is and causes is larger than our income 
And what happens when your debt is larger than your income? You're struggling because you're trying to finance that debt, but you haven't got enough to live on. You have to make cutbacks. And this is a massive problem because I'm sure you may know many people who are in credit card debts, um, loan debts for banks or overdraft debts and all types of debts or loan shark debts for those unfortunate people, payday loans, like there's all mortgage, there's all types of debts that are in a student loan, which is not a, much of a bad debt compared to the others. There's all levels types of debts in the economy. And that's just you as a regular human being, let alone the banks and governments and other businesses who have billions and billions of pounds of debts. Um, according to the, the money charity last last month, that, which is November, the average UK adult has approximately thirty thousand pounds worth of debts, which is which is just not true. The reason why this is a problem because not a lot of the debts is kind of like good debts, if you like. It's not the debts that I discussed a couple of minutes ago. It is kind of the debts that are tied to property and assets. Okay, we all know what property is, houses, buildings that people own. And then there's financial assets, which tend to be like um, intangible, which means you can't touch. Like these, basically, these funny contracts that say, oh, if this financial instrument reaches this value at this day, I make X. If it doesn't, I lose X. So stuff that's a bit complicated that not many of us across our lifetimes will probably be too involved in, well, directly. So yes, most of that tends to be within this facet, property and financial assets. They tend to be more desired and larger, larger in price. Obviously, your house probably is worth 300, 400,000 pounds. Banks tend to prefer to loan, lend, sorry, to these type of, uh, to these type of causes in terms of financial assets or property than they would to um, a loan for the for the quote-unquote real economy, like a business loan. Let's say I have a luxury do-rag-making business and I need a £10,000 loan to kind of get started. They'll rather um, invest their money in financial assets or property because they make a bigger gain, which makes sense. As I said, the rule of life is, in, is incentive. Why would you allocate your money towards something that will get you, let's say, 5% um, return when you can do something that gets you 15% return? It's common sense, right? Okay, cool. The problem with this is that financial assets or property create wealth, not income. So over the over a period of time, those assets, let's say the assets rise in value. Yes, they rise in value. So technically you're wealthier because if you were to sell it, let's say you have a house that costs £100,000 and then due to some stuff that happens in the economy, it rises in value to £150,000. You've made £50,000 in terms of wealth gains. So you're £50,000 richer. You haven't actually received that £50,000 into your bank account. So you haven't received that income, but it's in actual value, it's in wealth. Whereas if you're selling goods and services, you receive that income because people are paying you that money, cash in hand or into your bank account, etc. So that is why these instruments, or these financial instruments and property aren't as good for the economy as income because it's not stirring growth. It can start growth, but nowhere near as much as income creation. For example, is when I went to the bank, 
instead of me going for a £40,000 loan um, to go buy a Rolex, Rolly Gang and that, I went and said, Joya, I need even more, £140,000 to get a mortgage. So now I've got this nice shiny house in Stratford or whatnot. I'm feeling good about myself. Like I've got some assets. Like I feel wealthy. However, if you look at the effects in the rural economy, not income is not generated directly because when when up the money I have, I'm actually putting into the house. I'm paying a bank or mortgage or mortgage on payment every month. That's not actually going into the real economy. Obviously, the bank makes money and they may use the interest on that to to finance other loans. But I'm not putting money in nobody's pockets to go and feed their family or invest in new goods and services. It's kind of a, what's you call an outflow from the economy. And also, because of this new debt, I'm also spending less. So let's say before, I was getting £2,000 a month after tax, and I had no, and I was living at home, I spent that about the economy. Now, I've got this mortgage um, repayment, let's say £1,000, that's £1,000 less I could spend in Tesco's, in Gucci, in the gym, in Subway, Starbucks, whatever. So that's money coming out of the economy, and that is why it's a problem. And to further add on to the point about wealth versus income, according to the official national statistics in 2013, which is three years ago, the UK had a net worth of 7.6 trillion. And that works out the average person has a net worth of 120,000. I'm sure some of you are thinking, net worth where? Exactly. <laughs> because obviously quite a lot of people in the economy are struggling right now which wouldn't make sense if you had an average net worth of 120,000. If you had an income of 120,000, you could do more things. When you have assets that total up to 120,000, it's not really as worth it because you, you still need money to get by. You can't just live off value. Another problem with this is that the asset and property market don't really follow the laws of economics. As I said on one of my, on my first podcasts, we talked about demand and supply, and there's an equilibrium. Like, if demand for something goes up, the price goes up because loads and loads of people want to buy it, so you have to kind of whittle people out by price. If the demand goes down, then the price goes down because less and less people are interested, in, so the co- interested, so the company will have to reduce the price to kind of get in more consumers. So there's always a way the, the economy finds some sort of balance. Same thing as supply and reverse. If there's too much, let's say there's too many pairs of Golo trainers, the price will go down because the company's trying to ship them because they've got too many. It's not making the money. If there's a limited supply, like your Yeezys, the price is sky high because they're like, they're like gold dust. You can afford to do that. Well, if you look at asset and property markets, it's completely different. If the price is high, more and more people want it. Look at London prices. They're going up and up and up, but more and more people want it because... They, they want to have, you know, they want to increase their wealth. If you're saying, oh, if I invest if I invest 500k in this, each year it's going to get me 10% more, 15% more. That's more than any savings account. It makes sense, right? Same thing with stocks and shares. That's why people continuously buy Apple shares because Apple shares will just steadily appreciate in value. And if you look at the opposite, if shares are going down or house prices are going down, people are trying to flog them. They're trying to get rid of them because you're effectively losing money. So that's a problem because there's no real economic um, balance there. 
There's no like check, economic checks and balances, shall I say. So that is a real, real problem. And that is why you've probably heard the terms housing bubble or boom and bust. We're always going to get this because this is how our system is. People will keep buying assets, buying assets, buying assets, inflating the price of assets, and eventually they're going to burst and everything's going to come tumbling down and then our economy crashes. It's happened so many times with the Great Depression in the 20s, with the dot-com, dot-com crash in, in 2000, and then the latest um, credit derivatives um, crash in 2000, 2008, which is basically where the American government said you can't discriminate to banks, imagine, discriminate in your, in your mortgage process, you have to accept more people, which obviously makes sense because banks have certain approval ratings, approval um, procedures for a reason, so they get their money back. You can't just give anybody a mortgage, you can't afford to pay, back, pay it back, that doesn't make sense. That's, you're putting yourself at risk. So banks thought, okay, we can flip this. They, they started creating, um, creating contracts that like, kind of related to the debt that these mortgages have, and they just started trading them, trading them, trading them, and packaging them up together on a mad one. Because so many, so many people in America were getting mortgages, people who didn't have an absolute dream of paying them back. So they were just selling these debt contracts to the point where people didn't even know who owned what house, I mean, in terms of the actual debts. Bankers were laughing about it. They were saying these are such shitty debts, but they were making millions and millions of pounds about it. And then this was all well and good when there's mortgage payments coming in because nobody has to make a claim on the debt, right? Then eventually, <laughs> people couldn't pay back their mortgages. And then it got to the point where people need, okay, the house needs to get repossessed. Where's our money at? Where's it? And nobody knew who owned what. That's why if you look at America, if you look at America now, there's so many houses, abandoned houses, because nobody knows who owned what. And that was kind of the driver of the crash because everybody's trying to record their money and there's not enough credit to go around because banks are too scared to lend. That's why they call it the credit crunch, and which harmed which further harmed our economy because the rural economy people like probably you or your friends and family who need money to borrow to this, say to have a house or create business or what and invest, there's not enough money there. They don't, the banks don't want to lend due to this craziness. So that is just a signal of the problems they're going to face. There's going to be another one again, like only God knows when, but it's coming, guys. Just, <laughs> just be prepared. Another problem, which, which obviously stems from the money is debt thing, is that it leads to inequality. Me personally... I'm not really too fussed about this inequality because I believe in meritocracy. You should get whatever you produce. Or we can argue that maybe the system kind of helps others and kind of, you know, impedes others, which I can agree with you, but that's a subject for another day. With this system, those with assets will always do well because assets grow in price in this level system because people are always popping up asset prices. So those who property or those who own those assets will get richer and richer over time. And those who don't, who tend to be the lower middle class, won't get richer over time because they don't have these assets in the same abundance or they have to take out loans to obtain these assets. So they're still paying that debt. So that gap is always growing. One possible, like let's say, benefit of this system is that 
banks, the banking and finance industry does contribute quite a lot in terms of um, government tax receipts. For those who don't know what that means, means is basically the money the government gets via tax. And that money the government gets via tax is what they tend to use to um, spend on stuff like either blowing up Syria, IMAX in schools, roads, police department, NHS, etc., etc. I think it's like last time I checked, for every £11 the government receives, £1 comes from that sector. But does that really negate the threat of another financial crisis where bankers are actually out, really out here swapping, flipping, swapping debt packages like Pokemon cards? Nobody knows where it was. There's so many people going out of business, banks collapsing and getting bailed out on taxpayers' money. Like, it, the system is really, really flawed in design. And it's always rooted to kind of like screw over the actual real economy. Okay, enough of the doom and gloom. How do we solve this? When I say we, it actually is we because we elect these government officials who are very lenient with these uh, with the financial sector because the financial sector bankroll a lot of their campaigns, which makes sense. Because if I'm a government official, remember I said incentive, incentive and effective behaviour, what do I want? I want to progress up the ladder, like any other career, whether you're a teacher, wanting to be a head teacher, um, investment banker, wanting to be CEO, or baker, want to be chief baker, or a chef, want to be head chef, or whatever. You want to progress up the ranks. So to progress up the ranks, you're going to have to keep gaining re-election and, and make good friends. How do you gain re-election? Have a good campaigns. How do you get have good campaigns? Get money. How do you get money? Donations. Where do the donations come from? Exactly. So that is a problem. So realistically, the governments are never going to do what it takes to put a lid on this mess. That's why it's up for us to put the pressure on them and educate ourselves. Because if we know this is this is a shag, which for those who don't know, that means this is a bit of a bump, this is a bit of a mess, it's unfair, it's unbalanced. And we put pressure on the government and let them know whoever votes, whoever we will vote for, whichever guy or lady it is that's going to actually tackle this mess properly. And if you don't, we're going to complain and complain until your party dethrones you and put somebody else who in. Who would? Because, as I said, incentive matters. What do the politicians want to do? Not serve the people, get re-elected. So they will do what gets, re- what gets ele- electoral votes. So we've got to put the pressure on these guys. As I said, the system's flawed. It's not, it's not part of macroeconomics. I studied economics from age 16 or 15. I've never come across this in no economic theory. This is like something that's inserted to the capitalist, um, it's like a capitalist, what's it called, add-on, <laughs> like on Google Chrome, having young add-ons, that's really, really rigged the system. So we need to cap it. We need to stop, we need to stop the financial sector doing BMF. I'm kind of intrinsically, um, you know, divided on this because in terms of pragmatism, I think we need to, but I also believe you should leave businesses to do whatever they want to do morally like who should tell you how to run yourself but at the end of the day it's kind of killing us there's so many bad debts in our economy like so much so much of stuff sitting on banks um balance sheets government balance sheets is just trailer trash 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 marrow and fellaini levels of trash these debts are never going to be paid back in bulk they need to be written off what's the problem with that one problem is if banks see a lot of this debt written off, 
they're going to be very wary to kind of lend again. Do you know, like how a girl gets heartbroken and she ain't trying to go on her dates because she's thinking every guy's out there trying to, you know, sleep with her best friend and break her heart. Which is understandable because you're going from experience. And this is also bad because same way it's bad for the lady because she may not be able to move on and actually date a guy and give him a fair shake that might be a decent user. It's the same way banks may not be as ready to lend into the real economy that may be like my do-rag business or what, or what have you. So that's a problem. And another problem is, even if we write off these debts, a lot of our money is actually invested in these debts. If you look at government spending, probably the biggest single government expenditure is in pensions. We have like a massive pension fund. These pensions are actually invested in a lot of these assets. And so if these assets are trash, so are our pensions. But that's a bullet we're going to have to hold to the chest at 50 because... It's, got, it's coming to get us regardless. Like, it's inevitable. Like, we need just to write off these debts and just get and then just restart. Another thing we could possibly do is kind of like separate the bad, the trash, the marrow, I call them marrow, the marrow Fellaini assets away from these banks. So we could either do that, like, have like a government uh, created kind of consortium or bank that kind of buys up these bad assets and just hope and wait to see if there's any sort of increase in price and value which the um, which the public can make a profit on, which goes back into public spending, which can be good. And it also cleans up the banks and kind of put in place legislation that makes these banks operate and try to focus them on lending to the real economy and limit the crazy, out-of-control um, asset markets because they're kind of bravey crazy. We can do something similar to Germany. They have an investment bank that is literally created to invest in a rural economy. So that's something that we can also mimic. I'm sure many of you are thinking, why don't we just, you know, bloody, why don't we bloody cap the bankers? Eh? They're making £2 million a year, £500 million of bonuses. They don't do bloody jack shit. I'm telling you now, you can cap the bonuses till the cows come home. It is not going to change diddly squat. The main drivers of change will be these banks go on a diet because right now their balance sheets are way too hench. And for those who don't know what hench means, it means rather muscular and big in size. They're too hench. You need, they need to get trimmed. The financial sector is not that useful to the real economy. As my slogan is, everything in life is a transaction. And the transaction between what the financial sector provides the economy balance off against the risk, we are getting bumped out of our brains, we're bailing them out every time they're doing madness. And this sounds quite counterproductive for somebody who works in financial services, and quite a lot of you probably do, but unfortunately our system is flawed. So there you have it. What is money? Money's actually debt, which actually drives economic growth, which is good. But the problem is, this debt also drives artificial violently accelerated growth in the asset markets and property markets which eventually leads to our for more money more problems thanks for listening unless you know i'm from the east side so my booze is big as fuck right came round my neck and rolling on my wrist i'm strolling through the man and lie sports social podcast network